Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's your football fix from their caffeinated state of mind. This is the Grind Podcast with Brady Quinn and Jeff Darlington. Float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Oh, rumble, young man, rumble. I'm the prettiest sight in the ring today. That's my label. And this might shock and amaze you, but I will destroy Joe Frazier. I'm so bad, you know what I've been doing? Last week, I went out to the jungle. I wrestled with an alligator. I tussled with a whale. I didn't handcuff lightning, throw thunder in jail. I'm bad, man. <laughs> the man to beat me hasn't been born yet. Last week, I murdered a rock. Into the stone, hospitalize a brick. I'm so mean I make medicine sick. <laughs> I'm not only a fighter, I'm a poet, I'm a prophet, I'm the resurrector, I'm the savior of the boxing world. If it wasn't for me, the game would be dead. The greatest, Muhammad Ali, Brady Quinn, died at 74 years old this past weekend. Uh, this is the Grind Podcast. I am Jeff Darlington. Thank you for joining us on Facebook Live, our inaugural. Uh, addition here, I guess. We're actually getting this thing up and running, Brady. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, we're doing great. I just got back from a long trip to Italy, and and like everyone else, was sad to hear the news of Muhammad Ali. And it wasn't something that was you know just specific to the United States. I mean, Muhammad Ali was a global athlete. I think the impact he had not only on the sporting world, but I mean, I guess you could also say politically too, um, carried a ton of weight. So you could even see people over in Italy understanding the impact of what really? Muhammad Ali meant. Uh, to the sporting world. Very interesting. One of the things that, that I took away from the weekend that I found is that when someone like that, and, and by saying someone like that, really, there was nobody like that, you, you wind up mourning the death of somebody, celebrating the life of him. But what I found myself doing was educating myself. So yeah. you and I are pretty close. Anthony Biasi here, by the way, in the middle. He's our producer here on the Grind Podcast. We're pretty similar in age. So it's not as if we grew up watching these boxing matches, these legendary fights. Um, it wasn't until the later portion of his career that we were even alive, let alone uh, able to appreciate what he did. You kind of feel like that's a sign of greatness, though, in the sense that like, I would go back and watch his old fights. So this is what I found myself doing. Not only did I find myself just um, reading so much about him, trying to learn more about his legacy. I understand the greatness of Muhammad Ali, but I think you really have to educate yourself on what made him, why he was so, A, controversial, and B, eventually... Uh, why his legend grew so much. And despite some of the things that were so controversial about him, I think that the, the, the thing that I learned this weekend that made him resonate so much was the fact that this is a man who, who even if what he believed in was controversial, he believed in it. And uh, it, it was his beliefs, and he was not going to let anybody question those beliefs. And I think that that resonated in a time when it was very difficult to be a black man in this country. The other thing I found myself doing was watching the fights. I actually watched uh, when he took the championship from Sonny Liston in Miami yep. Beach. Yep. I watched uh, the Rumble in the Jungle, uh, George Foreman, and um, I watched him start Frazier, to finish. obviously, yeah. It was uh, awesome. Ali Frazier, which is one of the, some, one of the you know, best, I, I would say, I don't know if you want to call it a rivalry, if you can call that in boxing, but right. that was one of the best rivalries I think there's ever been in any sport um, throughout time. The interesting thing to me about Muhammad Ali was – he was the first athlete that I thought, as great as he was physically, had such a mental edge over his opponents. Everything he did yeah. outside of the ring was, was – the fight started long before right. the fight actually right. began, before the bell rang in the first round. 
And he was the first athlete that I can recall, at least, that truly got the mental advantage or the mental edge over every one of his opponents. Yeah. Biasi, you're obviously, obviously in agreement. I mean, it, I am. Uh, I think the one really good thing about social media is that when someone like that passes, everyone posts everything you can possibly imagine on the Internet. So this morning I woke up and I see an Arsenio Hall clip of Ali and Tyson both on. And Tyson was talking about how Ali's the greatest. Ali was talking about how Tyson's the greatest. <laughs> and, and Arsenio Hall was like, who would win in his prime? And Tyson went on to say about how he just mentally, Ali, mentally like broke down the players, the, the boxers before he even stepped in the ring because he basically knew he was going to win and the other boxers knew Ali was going to win. And Tyson, I think, had that as well. And I thought that that was, it was just awesome to hear Tyson say that. Well, and, and for those listeners out there, maybe viewers right now, um, you know, I, I sparred a little bit growing up. Jeff, you don't have much of a fighting history. <laughs> I, oh, I do. It resulted in two surgeries. <laughs> Wait, and for then, you, not, not the punch, opponent. One punch. <laughs> yeah, and, and Biasi, I don't and know about I think you. I, I think I slapped Jeff one time. We talked about that one time. <laughs> well, that but was it, my but, only fighting his. But the point of that is, for anyone out there who has boxed, sparred, done anything like that before, uh, boxing is the hardest sport, next to wrestling and some other sports like that, um, where you have to be able to keep your mental edge and, and cool because it doesn't take much to be able to throw you off and make you infuriated with the way your opponent saying things or handling things because it's so physically exhausting. It's so physically enduring that it's extremely hard for you to be able to keep that cool because you're so fatigued and tired. And I think when people get fatigued, it allows them uh, to get away from what they're focusing on, whatever their game plan is, whatever they're trying to go into that match, that, that match with, it gets them away from that. And all he was able to kind of get people out of their focus or, or out of what they're looking at before the fight even started and they're training at all. He pissed guys off so quickly. It was unbelievable. So when he had the fight against Foreman um, with the rope, the famous rope-a-dope, uh, he actually, before the fight, when I was watching it, it actually, Foreman waited in the locker room and didn't come out for, for a while. And it, it was believed at the time that Foreman was trying to mess with Ali's head. He was trying to get him out there, get him all angry, get him off his game so that when Foreman did eventually come out that he'd be good to go. Ali is standing in the ring, and he's dancing around. He's getting the crowd going. He's basically he's taken that disadvantage that Foreman is trying, and he and he completely turned it around. He won the crowd. He won the crowd. Yeah, he actually showed up for that fight apparently like months before, won over the entire crowd, so that when the fight actually happened, it was just mass favoritism toward Ali. You know, it's funny winning over a crowd is something that's kind of hard to do in the sports arena. It's even harder to do in life, and it's something that Biasi has already not won me over this morning. Because of the way he parked on the way he got here. Oh, what'd he do? Oh, uh, no, no, no. We're going to put the picture up on, on Twitter right now. I just Are sent we it okay to you. right now? No, 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 no. He got here first. He got here first. No, he did, yeah. I'm going to yeah, check it Jeff out. got here first. So I don't care whether you park at the front of where it was or on the back. You've got to park again closest to him. You can't, you can't be like, like, there's three spots. Can you not parallel park? No, I parallel parked fine. I pulled up as far as I could. It's just an asshole move, man. Why? Because you should at least back up so then I have room just to pull up and park. What? <laughs> we go through this every week. I have a, uh, I have a, I have a bigger question. It's um, like trying to hit a 7-10 split in bowling. It's like no one wants to deal with that when they wake true. up in the morning. It's inconsiderate. It's inconsiderate. It's inconsiderate. Is, you, last week you gave me crap because did I didn't pull nice all the way up. you parking job I did? You wait, did wait, do a great part. You didn't leave any room behind you, so there's plenty of room in front, and Biasi pulls all the way up. Last week I was the first one here, and I parked exactly where he parked, and you guys gave me crap because I didn't pull all the way up. Yeah, because if it was, so, if you don't pull the way up, then you got to pull back. Then, hey, uh, more importantly, here I want to get to something. <laughs> oh, Brady, whatever. You were in Italy for Brady a day. Just couldn't parallel park. Alicia's <laughs> fine job. 
Alicia is uh, is how how many weeks? Thirty weeks pregnant. Which bold which, move, by the way, going to Italy. Not really. I mean, our OBGYN actually cut us off at thirty weeks, so we got back. You know, she's at thirty weeks. We're fine. She just turned thirty weeks, and the cut, that was the cutoff point for any sort of flying or traveling for for those of you out there who haven't had any kids yet. Some people usually actually say 35 weeks, which I think is really risky. Yeah. Um, but our OBGYN said, um, it said 10, and then we're not supposed to be really without outside of like an hour of driving right. within five weeks. So anyways, we go on this long trip. We, they call it a baby moon. And for those uh, male listeners out there that don't know about that, <laughs> you're going to have to yeah. buy your wife at some point when you guys get pregnant one last vacation before everything starts. Do you guys go on one? No, I'm actually going <laughs> to gonna protest everything you're saying right now. Well, do you, do you give her a push gift? No. Okay, well, I'm gonna. I'm trying to. I'm not saying I'm. I lack in romanticism. I'm just saying that. Oh, no one's doubting that. <laughs> I'm just saying that I didn't. We didn't do the baby moon. We didn't do the. Okay, okay. Well, anyways, back to the story. So, we get. We do this baby moon, right? Her whole entire family goes. Her brother actually got engaged. He got engaged to his girlfriend. He'd been dating for I think a year, year and a half, um, in Rome, which was pretty cool. Came back, um, drank a lot of wine. Obviously, Alicia couldn't. But so, anyways, we have a great trip. We see, we see James Bay in concert in Florence. It was amazing. Um, so long story short, we get to the airport. We're there an hour and 45, hour and a half before. And we get our, we, we get our boarding passes. Um, well, actually, I, I dropped Alicia off, obviously. And then I went and returned the rental car. Uh, she goes in and gets her boarding pass, checks her bag. I come in. I go to get my boarding passes. And as we're starting to walk away, a lady comes up and says, oh, how many weeks pregnant are you? And she just happens to say 30. And the lady snatches her boarding pass away and says, you did not present a health certificate. Oh, no. She says, do you have a health certificate? And Alicia looks at him. I'm like, no. We're like, okay. So you, you need to call your doctor. You need to get a health certificate. The problem is it's a Saturday. Doctor's office is closed. Right. So we, have, we, we get, trying to get in touch with anyone we can. How, to long, get, how long before your flight? It's now an hour and 15 minutes before our flight. We haven't even been through security yet. So... We call everyone we know. No one has the doctor's cell phone. We don't have our, our doctor's cell phone. So we call the hospital. They try to get in touch with the uh, on-call doctor. Right. The problem is he's not technically her physician. So they speak with him, and he will not, out of, you know, I guess, liability, he will not send over anything because she's not his patient. So at this point, we're SOL. We're sitting there, and, and I'm kind of like a little bit irritated with the, the staff for British Airways because I'm like, look, you let her fly over here. Right. You're going to help us get back. Right. You know, so there's got to be something we can work out here. Do you have to go to like the embassy or something? No, no. We, 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 I, I mean, I sat there and they kept trying to say there's going to be a supervisor coming. There, no supervisor ever showed up. They just kept saying, we need a health certificate. We need a health certificate. So finally, I got a hold of, of, of a buddy who helped me get in touch with another OBGYN <laughs> who basically sent a letter claiming that Alicia was his patient. And they, they, uh, all they needed was an email. With a, with a doctor saying that. I could have doctored this up. We could have lied. And it wasn't even British Airways that was keeping her there? It was well, technically, they said they were part of a third-party group so that contacting British Airways wouldn't matter because it's on, it's on their part to do their job and, and all that. So long story short, they hold the plane for us. Alicia and I are riding one of those golf carts that you see people like riding through the airport just to get there, right. to get on the plane and take off. She was extremely emotional and upset, which is never good, especially at this point in time, being she's pregnant and has to fly for however many hours. So it was un, like just wow, ungodly that's a, that's ridiculous. Terrorizing. But even worse than that was just going, then going through TSA. Like how ridiculous is we're, TSA? We're, we're going to get to that, Brady. Oh. I, I, we're going to hear more from Brady about his, uh, his TSA rant today. I know he's having trouble, but first we've got to get to some sports. Yeah, that's fine. Couldn't we'll you agree? 
Yeah. Okay. Biasi, you on board? And so, Biasi, what do you say we do the buzz? Sure, let's do the buzz. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Brady, the Golden State Warriors dismantled the Cavs in another easy victory. This one by a score of 110 to 77. The Cavs also lost Kevin Love in the second half due to a blow to the head. Caused him to be day-to-day as the team prepares to travel back to Cleveland this morning. Brady, are you more impressed with the Warriors right now, or are you more disappointed with the Cavs? I'm disappointed in the Cavs. I grew up a lifelong Cleveland Cavaliers fan, so I was kind of hoping that you know maybe maybe the Cavaliers will be able to put up at least a better performance, more competitive performance. I know they're on the road, and they'll have the opportunity now. They're going back home to kind of put up or shut up, but uh, it's just been disappointing growing up as a, a, a lifelong Cleveland Cavs fan. Jeff, Calvin Johnson got married this weekend, which is obviously nice news for the recently retired wide receiver. He also was registered for gifts at Bed Bath & Beyond and Macy's. Biasi by the way, Biasi found this. This is great. Maybe you're asking yourself, what do you get a guy like Johnson for his wedding? He made over, what, $100 million? How about the items for his registry? A Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle waste basket for 14 bucks, a Teenage Mutant uh, Ninja Turtle shower curtain for $24.99, or a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle bat towel for $19.99. And yes, uh, Biasi had to tell me what TMNT stood for. Right. I did not know what that acronym meant. Jeff, if you could have registered for anything, what would have it been? It's a great question. I mean, I feel like the women the women take charge of the registry, right? You get, yeah. the, you get the gun and like Macy's I, I, or whatever. I, didn't have, I had no part in a wedding registry. Or a, a, a baby registry. And it's probably best because I, I feel like that men would, would gear toward the tool section, right? My uncle got me a crossbow for exactly. a gift. There you go. <laughs> That's exactly right. I remember my brother-in-law got my sister and um, her husband um, a, a giant knight statue that was like made out of like aluminum. It was like a seven foot tall statue to which my sister was like, what is, what is this? What do you do with that? Right. But, uh, <laughs> but that's what happens when men are placed in charge of wedding gifts. And apparently Calvin Johnson is in charge of their registry. Maybe his wife a cer- is a big A certain fan. portion. A certain portion. Those are three items. That wasn't the entire thing. Anyway, uh, Brady, Akeem Tlaib was shot in the leg. Much serious matter this weekend, resulting in a hospital stay in Dallas. The Dallas Morning News is reporting he was shot at a nightclub, but details are still very limited. Here's what we do know. A team source told me on Sunday night that Tlaib will not make the trip to the White House with the rest of his Super Bowl winning team when they visit the president today. Staying behind instead because he's continuing to receive observation in Dallas Look, I know we we don't have a lot, so we don't want to speculate here, Brady, but uh, this is certainly a sign that the offseason is upon us, the time of year when I just can't wait to get to football. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, thoughts, prayers are with him. Hope he has a a good recovery. Um, But I just hope this. I hope people out there, let's not use these as examples to talk about gun laws. Like, I can't stand that. (laughs) We've got some sort of outlier issue that comes out, and all of a sudden people are like, see, we just need to get rid of them. Get rid of all guns. It's, it has nothing to do with the guns. It's the people who have them in their possession. It's the dumb acts of the people with the guns. These opinions are of the conservative on the other side of the couch, Brady Quinn. Look, I'm just saying, we, we don't need to use outliers as, refer- as examples and references for everything, considering they, they make up, what, about .001% of things that happen in the world. Let's just move on. Take Please. it for what it is. Thank God. <laughs> Jeff, the Penguins dropped Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals this weekend in a 3-2 overtime loss to the San Jose Sharks. Game 4 is tonight. Are you going to watch? And more so than that, the Sharks have a shot at evening things up. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm far more interested in the NBA Finals. But I will say that, and uh, I was more of a Tampa Bay Lightning guy growing up. So once really? they got, yeah, once they got eliminated, I was kind of checked out a little bit. But uh, the Penguins right now playing better defense, I think, than they had all season. They weren't a defensive team. Suddenly in the Stanley Cup, uh, they've, they've come alive. So I think that's the reason why they're going to have such a good chance. They've won, they won four in a row before this previous loss. Uh, it's going back, though, for, for two on the road. So it's going to be difficult, but I think they wind up winning. One quick question before we transition. Do you think it's more meaningful, and this is not just a question for the NHL or Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, but do you think it's more meaningful for a team, per se, like the Pittsburgh Penguins to win a cup versus a team like San Jose? And I'm not saying that right. San Jose doesn't have the ability or it shouldn't be, but I'm saying they're, they're, they're not as historic of a team as the Pittsburgh Penguins. You can make that case about any professional sport. No doubt. Do you think it's better for the sport when you have an up-and-coming team win? Like, for example, if the Carolina Panthers would have won this past year instead of a more storied um, organization like the Denver Broncos, do you think that matters? It's a great question because I think it generates uh, interest within the community and, and then it grows the sport um, organically. But at the same time, is it more meaningful? I mean, ratings certainly aren't going to be better with those teams in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, but I mean, maybe that helps grow ratings because you've got a market that right. has been tapped into to some degree. In but the long enough. term, yeah. I would say it probably is more meaningful. In the short term, though, uh, probably not going to generate as much TV ratings right now. But Well, Biasi, what do you got? Yeah, what do you got? Now we go to Biasi's buzz. Biasi, this is when you get to pick your, uh, yeah, your so, buzz. So last week, uh, the San Diego Padres lost two games. by six. They gave up 16 runs in two games. So the owner went on the radio show in San Diego and just kind of ripped the team and ripped one of their star pitchers. I want to play the audio and have you guys listen to the Padres' owner. It's been embarrassing. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. I think our performance on the road trip, uh, one and seven, is pathetic. This baseball experience has been uh, very frustrating, uh, very embarrassing. To have a (laughs) starter like uh, Shields perform as poorly as he did yesterday, I think uh, is an embarrassment to the team. In a normal environment, if you had performed as well as uh, we have over the last three years, you'd probably be unemployed. This baseball experience. So he goes ballistic. Now, James Shields was later traded, which is crazy. And he's obviously one of their best pitchers. So I thought it was pretty funny. So I wanted to get your reaction because owners never I was gonna single say, out players Anytime like an owner <laughs> digs that deep into the uh, the responsibilities, it's a bad sign for everybody above them. Yeah, I feel like as a former professional athlete, if you heard an owner talking about you like that, you might as well pack your bags, no especially doubt. in baseball. I mean, it's kind of a fluid situation where you can be traded or you're gone. I mean, Carl Crawford just got uh, cut, you know, released, fired, whatever you want to yeah. call him. And they owe them $35 million. I mean, these guys don't care, man. In baseball, they'll just get ready for a heartbeat if you're not performing up to their standards. I kind of like it, though. He's fired up, and yeah. I don't know. I like it for both parties. I mean, look, it, it gives the ownership the ability because they're making so much money to get rid of a guy. But at the same time, at least a player like Crawford's protected because he's got a guaranteed contract. Well, that's baseball. They got those guaranteed deals. and NFL, they get cut, and bye-bye money. Can I go on my rant about TSA yet? In a second. First of all, our, our, fir- our first comment on Facebook Live, yeah. who, who would watch this with the cry emoji? <laughs> so we're off to a really good start, guys. Hey, we're doing this all, all by ourselves. Biasi is ha- handling production. There's not yeah. even anybody behind the, the camera. The better question is, one, what does that guy do for a job? Yeah, we're just Because obviously fun. you're watching. Yeah. And the second, <laughs> thing would be, the second thing would be probably someone who's at a shitty job. We're, so. we're having a nice time over here. Yeah, though. I'm this having is, fun. You know, I'm having a good time. That's what matters. The idea came organically because we usually get together for coffee and we're like, why don't we just tape it, film it? Not to mention, uh, yeah, we're just having fun with it. You know, It's our own little production. We ain't getting paid for it. No. Nope. But that's okay. 
Uh, one quick coffee break, and then we're going to hear from uh, Brady Quinn as we uh, hear more about TSA. Okay, Brady, I know you're ready for this. You he's really been wanna, fired up. He yelled at me for my bad parking. Now he's ready to rip he, TSA. He's already, he's already fired off on his conservative views as it pertains to gun control. Now well, he's going to fire look, off I, I agree with him on that point. You could make this about anything. Like in life, like we're always like, oh, well, it couldn't have. It, it's got to be the gun. The gun did it. No, 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 no. I'm not asking you to go more into it. I'm just stating that you're fired up today, and I like it. And uh, I want to hear why long, you're now I, I'm upset. not good with vacations. Like I get bored <laughs> I after know, a while. Seriously, you should be all relaxed and like... <laughs> Free love, man. Uh, well, if not for the issue of getting back, I, maybe it would have been a little more relaxed had that not been so stressful. But TSA played a part in that because, for example, I'm, I'm looking through their list of things you can't bring on an airplane, right? Um, let's see. What, what's, what's kind of obvious? Fireworks. I mean, pretty obvious, right? If someone's trying to bring through fireworks, like I'm pretty sure someone could just look at it and say, you're a dumbass. You shouldn't be able to fly anyways because if there is emergency landing, you're not going to be able to want, you're probably not wearing your seatbelt, one, because you couldn't figure that out. Or two, you're probably not going to be able to find your way to an exit to actually get out of the plane if need be. So anyone who brings fireworks onto a plane, you might as well just go ahead and just stop yourself and you shouldn't be allowed to fly. Uh, what else we got? Well, one thing that, that obviously is out there is there's the whole big thing about like liquids gels aerosols right you're only allowed to bring so much up to 3.4 ounces or if you're in italy like i had learned or in london i think it was only 100.55 milliliters or less than that fit in one clear plastic quart-sized resealable bag so right you get one per person right i can't so, believe you're doing this right now this is fantastic no, no no so so think about this think about the logic behind this like they're trying to explain to me why like one of the bottles i had it was like 3.7 um, ounces. And I'm like, well, clearly it's, it's like almost empty, right? It's almost empty. So you know that there's not 3.7 ounces. Like it's not even close. They're like, well, that's what's actually stated on the package. So I'm, I'm looking at the guy. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Just take it, throw it away. I don't, I don't care. But then he started saying, and this is just your one bag, right? I'm like, yeah. You could technically fill up that entire clear plastic bag with liquid if you wanted to of some sort. If, if you want to create a bomb or whatever else was bad. And you could literally just walk right through with that. Because the entire quart-sized bag that you have of fluid now could be whatever you needed it to be to create a bomb. Yet RTSA hasn't figured that out. So instead of putting a limit per the small amount of size of bottle, we're, we're, but we're because we're allowing to put in a quart-sized bag, uh, apparently we don't we don't feel like we need to put a limit on how much liquid in total we need to put in a bag, right, to protect our own safety. You know how many people TSA has caught that were terrorists since 9/11, all that. No. I, I try to research this. Zero. Yeah, maybe that's why. Zero. Maybe there's no one trying. Right. You think that's why? No, I don't. <laughs> it's unbelievable. God, you're so I just, fired up, man. I am because, Italy, because you're having I, a nice time. Well, it was a great time. We, you know, when did in you Rome, have a good time? We had a great time. We really did. Had a great time. Um, drank a lot of wine. I mean, the first night, her family was there. We had uh, 10 people, 10, 11 people. Oh, wow. I didn't know there was well, family, too. Yeah, we rented a, we rented a villa in uh, Monte Argentario, which is a really nice spot kind of down off of uh, down from Tuscany. And uh, from there, I mean, we kind of just toured around, went to different places. Like I said, we saw James Bay in Florence, um, which is really neat. Just going to see like a, 
He's, Wait, that's he's awesome. What, yeah. Like in an amphitheater or what? Yeah, yeah, OB Hall uh, in Florence, which was really cool because you see just so many like young kids who are over there for school and different things, and um, you just get a sense of how like if there's one thing that can like unite people like that, it's music. And people from all different backgrounds had come just yeah. to come see an English guy. James Bay is great too. He is great. Was it was it tough that Alicia couldn't have wine and and you could? Or was yeah, she- I mean it it made it a little bit you know awkward just to be there with her family having fun and be able to celebrate her brother getting engaged. I mean, the first night we got, we went through like nine bottles of wine right. and 10 people, Alicia can't drink. So really everyone had it. Which is all, I mean, that's, that's it. Uh, that's great. Yeah. It's, it was a great time. The food was amazing. The people were awesome. I feel like we're getting him back now. We're getting him relaxed. He's thinking about the nice part of his trip. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, well, he got fired up because right before he left for his trip, I fired him up by talking about LeBron and he was furious the night before he left. Well, I, I don't think he got you to He always over-exaggerates this. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you I, weren't a fan of that. I do want to. I, I want to give Brady credit though. Credit though. To, uh, a few weeks ago on the show, um, he was really quick uh, at a time when it really wasn't resonating nationally to talk about uh, the Baylor controversy, which now obviously has you know unfolded in, in leading to major sweeping changes at the university. One of these changes included Ken Starr's removal from the president's role, and Starr has since been attempting uh, some form of damaging control. Julie Hayes of KWTX sat down with Starr. And it was anything but damage control, guys. It actually got completely awkward. His handler was looking on. The interview was interrupted after the reporter asked Starr about an email with the subject line, quote, I was raped at Baylor. I mean, this is some extremely disappointing and frustrating um, uh, things. We're going to play the sound from that interview. The woman's voice that you're hearing interrupting the interview is Starr's essentially his his crisis manager so here is that audio did you ever see that email i honestly may have i'm not denying that i saw it well i want to point out i, I need to talk to jen star to, to start okay okay i need to talk to you sir okay do you ask great questions okay great can i ask you one more question i have I got to talk to you okay okay she needs to ask you that question again whether you do it on camera or not it's up to you i just want to make sure it doesn't end up misedited okay all I'm going to say is I honestly have no recollection of that. Of seeing any email? Is that okay? Don't look at me. Look at her. I honestly have no recollection of seeing such an email, and I believe that I would remember seeing such an email. The President University gets lots of emails. I don't even see a lot of the emails that come into the office of the President. I have no recollection of it. None. The subject line on that email was, I was raped at Baylor. I mean, it's, it's, it's like disgusting that this guy is that out of touch. This is a guy, by the way, who, yes, that Ken Starr, the Starr yeah. report uh, from, from the Bill Clinton impeachment days. Yeah, um, and, and we should identify, too, the lady who you heard in it besides the interviewer yes. was Michelle Spath. Did you actually say that? I well, that I was saying there. that it essentially was his crisis manager. Yeah, she's a consultant, and she's kind of done this for, for a, a period of time. So that's who, who was kind of talking to him off camera, and clearly she was trying to coach him to – put forth whatever best possible image he could and he, it couldn't have went any, any more wrong and I think there's there's one rule that you learn when you're in I guess the media and you're and you're doing interviews or, or you're on camera whatever else is whether whenever you're wearing a mic I mean it's a live mic that's fine that's rational perspective no no, no I'm, I'm just saying and like for person- people out there who no, no 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 for people out there who don't understand I'm just saying like that's how absurd it was he clearly thought he was that they had put together an interview where he felt comfortable with whoever was interviewing him, where they were going to be able to use it for his benefit. But I, I mean, what's what's well, what's the downside for any play anyone leaking out that right? Uh, and it just there is none. It just shows how out of touch uh, he is. I mean, there was an ad in the local newspaper today 
in support of him, paid for by seven families, seven couples in support. They were thanking him. Thanking him. Thanking him. For, for his care for students um, with no mention of, of any of the controversy. Look, all it does is justify and validate what the university has done. So, You know, I, I want to transition quickly to Rush's rant because it kind of ties into what we're talking about. So okay. we're, yeah, we're going to play that quickly and then cool. we'll Here we go. This is it. Rush Olson, by the way, for those on Facebook Live. Uh, this is caffeinated with Rush Olson. So first and foremost, I got to say it was an honor to be down in Fort Lauderdale last weekend and co-host the grind. Now, coming back to doing the rant's a little tough. I mean, I feel like that pitcher, who that AAA pitcher, who got called up to the big leagues and got to fly on the charter flights, got to go first class the all show. the way, stay in the super nice suites in the hotels. Now I'm back in AAA, riding the bus, staying at Motel 6, and that was fine before, but now that I know what the good life's like, it's really hard to go back. Um, anyway, that being said, I understand that what I'm about to say is going to sound very, very kind of hyperbolic and piling on, but that doesn't change the fact that I absolutely truly believe it. So without further ado, I present to you my open letter to Baylor University. <clears throat> Dear <laughs> Baylor, you would have thought that 15, 13, 15 years ago that you having the biggest college basketball scandal in the history of college basketball would have been enough. You'd have thought maybe we should chill out, maybe tone it down for 30 or 40 years. You know, we did just get accused and caught covering up the murder of a player, making sure that all of the other players lied about this guy receiving impermissible benefits and accusing him of being a drug dealer, irrespective of the fact that it was completely made up out of thin air by the coach. However, instead of doing that, you decide, no, 12, 13, 14 years later, let's get ourselves mired in one of the biggest sexual assault, sexual assault scandals in the history of college football. Below that, only of Penn State, which did the unspeakable. Mm -hmm. Covering up for multiple years, being a safe haven for sexual assault perpetrators and rapists, you would think at that point maybe they learned their lesson. You were thinking maybe they got it. They got rid of Art Bryles. They got rid of Ken Starr. They got rid of the athletic director. Oh, 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 but so no. The last 72 hours have proved just how incredibly tone deaf this program truly is. In the Austin Statesman, they wrote an open letter advertisement thanking Ken Starr for this guy's time on campus and being a man of honor for doing the right things. And then on top of that, it was recently announced that they were not going to let the commitments out of their commitment for the upcoming season. What, you're going to tell me that you told them that you were harboring rapists and the coach would be fired and the athletic director would be fired? I'm going to go ahead and say you were not up front with these guys. Do the right thing and let them walk. Have a great week. Good to be back on the rant. It's a valid point. I mean, why would you ever want to allow these kids uh, or why wouldn't you allow these kids the opportunity to look somewhere else when there's, I mean, such a toxic environment. We talked they, about this they before. They did uh, at Penn State. Exactly. Exactly. So, so why would you not give these kids the opportunity? I mean, you'd, be, you'd think that you'd be petitioning the NCAA if you're one of their parents at this point. But even more so than that, uh, and by the way, just to reference the basketball scandal for those people who don't know what had happened, um, back in 2003, a men's basketball player named Patrick Dennehy was murdered by a teammate, Carlton Dotson. Um, Dotson pleaded guilty to the murder um, after it was found out. They actually found an abandoned vehicle, I think, in Virginia Beach um, at, at this point with his plates on that uh, or missing plates and all that. And they were able to track it down through, I think, a cousin who ended up uh, coming out that that Dotson had indeed 
shot and killed Patrick Dennehy. Um, Dotson's now serving a 35-year prison term. This is back in 2003. And, and along with, obviously, Dotson trying to cover up, the, the, I mean, the basketball staff tried to. I mean, you, you heard what Rush had kind of mentioned, and that's all accurate. So it's ridiculous to think that the university mm-hmm. could allow this to, to go on, not only in the first place, if you're a Baylor University alum or fan, and this happened to their basketball team, but ever, ever, and then right. allow this to happen now. And why the staff still is able to stay on? Clear, clean house, man. They, they, everyone I, should be fired because at some point people knew about what was going on. And, and, and maybe they still will be. Um, I, like I was actually Im- initially impressed with the sweeping changes, but now y- you expect that to expect continue more. more. Yeah. Because you have to understand too, Jeff, coaching staffs are so close. It's very, very hard to believe that at, at, at no point did any of the assistants un- like know what was going out to, to a certain level or know what was happening or heard something from a player, right? It was, I mean, you could go back to the Sandusky ordeal. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was assistance that had kind of become aware of what was going on, right? It's the same thing here. Penn State cleaned house, correct? Exactly. Yeah. As should Baylor. It's absolutely absurd. And they should allow these kids to open back up their opportunity to go somewhere else and play football for uh, a university that's, that's not going to allow this, this sort of thing to happen. Uh well, in, in just a minute, we're going to change, uh, change topics. We'll go to something much more lighthearted about the NFL and technology uh, in, in just about 30 seconds. Quick coffee break. Not a week. There has kind to be said the page is single. Yeah. Well, who's that? It's his favorite uh, friend. What? What's that mean? American Social. Oh, I am so. Yeah. What? Okay. I don't think I know who that is. You gonna Google that real quick? <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, we'll get more to we'll get more to uh, into, into Biasi's dating, dating life at some point. But yeah. in the meantime, Kevin Clark uh, from TheRinger.com, Bill Simmons' new website. Previously, uh, he was with the Wall Street Journal. Does a good job on quirky stories around the NFL, and and uh, and he had he had one recently. Did a nice job on the story about technology's place in the NFL. Uh, one of the hot to- hot button topics that came from his story was talking about video on the sidelines. And as we know right now, you can get still shots. Uh, there's three different angles that uh, the offense gets in the NFL on the sideline. Uh, now they're talking more about using video tablets on the sideline. The NFL has a sponsorship with Microsoft Surface. The thought here is that Surface will gain more advertising. It'll also you know, bring the game into the year 2016 with technology. But uh, Ron Rivera clearly isn't into the idea of saying, I don't want to get beat because someone used a tool or technology. That's not coaching at that point. Uh, he's basically saying that he wants to get beat if he's going to get beat based on preparation and on the field. Now, Sean Payton was pretty clear that this is going to benefit the offense if they do go this route. Brady, I'm interested to hear uh, your perspective on video on the sidelines. How much would it help? How much do you really think that it benefits an offense? Well, I agree with Sean Payton that I think it would benefit the offense more so than the defense. Um, most, mostly because you'd be able to get a tip on some of the things they're doing alignment-wise. Um, and, and you know, for the defense to be able to dramatically change in the course of a game, 
I believe it's a little bit more difficult compared to an offense, right? An offense has a bunch of concepts, right? A foundational um, base of concepts that they can run from all sorts of different personnels, um, formations, right? Shifting emotions, the ways of getting there. Uh, and a defense is kind of limited to however many coverages they kind of came to the game plan with to address those uh, things that they've seen before, right? So if an offense all of a sudden has the ability to adapt and change right there during the course of a game because of something they saw from the video, mm-hmm. then it gives them a slight advantage because they have, they have much more to go to kind of in their you know, war chest. They have much more to go to as far as to make adjustments. But that being said, it, it, I don't agree with Ron Rivera on the fact that they're not going to get beat because of a, a right. piece of technology, right? They're going to get beat because his staff didn't figure out how to adjust during a game like a lot of staffs have. I mean, you know, Charlie Weiss was uh, the head coach uh, for me at Notre Dame my last two years. He won some Super Bowls back in the New England Patriots as an OC, took the, helped take the Chiefs to the playoffs as well. And, and one of the things he always talked about was people have this notion that adjustments are only made at halftime. Like, there's this, like, dramatized scenario where, like, every movie you've ever seen, the coaches come in, they make the adjustments at halftime, then they go out. Mm-hmm. That's false. There's adjustments being made after every series you come off the field. You're analyzing everything that you're seeing, and you're trying to make adjustments as you go because you can't wait until halftime. You've already gotten beat by that point. And, and, and you can't wait all of a sudden, like in the third quarter, if you haven't made any sort of adjustments that they, that they made after halftime, then going to the fourth quarter, I mean, you're screwed. Give me an example um, in layman's terms, as much as you can. Simplify it. When you say adjustment, we always hear adjustment, adjustment from coaches, from players, from reporters. What does that mean? So an adjustment for, like, let's say a quarterback, right? An adjustment you'd make is, let's say a defense. Let's say I'm Jared Goff. I'm the number one overall pick for the Los Angeles Rams. And he's going to get everything thrown at him this season because he's a rookie. They want to test out what his weaknesses are, how well he sees the field, how well he's adjusting to the speed of the game and all of that. So one of the things he's going to have to deal with in the course of a game is every team is going to have a certain blitz package that they've showed, shown besides probably the first couple games, right, because it's new. Preseason, no one shows all their stuff. So let's talk about, like, games five, six, seven. They're probably going to have certain blitzes they've shown already on film. But then Jared Goff is going to get some special blitzes. There might be some teams that aren't really big on blitzing a corner off the edge, and they might say, hey, let's just bring the boundary corner one time, right? Boundary corner means short side of the field. Let's just see if you can see it. There might be some teams that have some special wrinkles doing things that they haven't seen before to test Goff to see if he can pick them up or – a wrinkle to something that maybe beat them before that he didn't see that, that they can run uh, that more suits their defensive scheme. So an adjustment would be if the offense is being able to see this based on alignment from the video, then they could possibly change their protection or he could get a tip on that on the sideline and say, okay, I kind of noticed when they're doing this and the safety's pushed over this way, they're probably bringing that corner blitz so I can go ahead and change the identification of where our offensive line is blocking and, or, or direct our running back out there to ensure that it gets picked up and I don't get blindsided. So that's essentially what you're going to do is you're going to say, let's get my running back, let's get a body over here because that guy's coming. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're changing maybe what you had originally thought going into it, what you've prepared during that week. And you're changing it throughout the course of the game, which is an adjustment that you have to be able to make. Uh, otherwise, you'll get beat. And, and that's the thing. The, the second that you feel like your game plan is going to be able to get you through a game, you're already beat. So you have to have a plan B, C, and D. So currently, like I said, you get three views, right? You get like three different. Yeah. So so how it works is on those black and white pictures. You you used to get that. Now now we've had the tablets, and actually you get still shots with the tablets. 
which has improved because it makes it much more clear to identify players. With the old black and white photos, you used to, it used to be hard sometimes to distinguish which number of which number of player is that? Is that a linebacker? Right. Is that a safety? Really grainy. I mean, super super grainy. To... Sometimes it'd be hard because guys would be like kind of hiding behind each other, and you're trying to figure out if if they got beat on some sort of game with a defensive lineman. Uh, or or how that transpired, like how did they end up beating our offensive line to get to it? Was it a pick stunt? What was it? So um, now that they have the video, the still shots definitely help because it's much more clear and you can zoom in and see all that. And you get one pre-snap and you get one post-snap and then you get an end zone shot. Do they pick? Who sends those? There's there's a crew that I, I believe works. Um, usually it's someone kind of hired like locally that you have. And then there's a crew that like, travels with you to print out the pictures for you that's with your staff. Uh, but as far as like who's up actually taking the photos or who would be up videotaping it yeah. that's that's the, what's in the discussion right now is who is going to be responsible for this separate video right. feed now that we're feeding to the sidelines and what are they doing with it you know how are they going to utilize that will you see the full play then I, I i guess i mean that's that's the best of my knowledge is you'd be able to see the full play and that's why the way it would limit having to take kind of the two snapshots obviously but you'd be able to see the full play from yeah. um the the sideline as well as the end zone. So then the biggest question becomes, when does it get cut off? Right. Because one thing you have to be concerned with is, do they leave it on too long? Now all of a sudden they're stealing signals from the sidelines yeah. in between plays. That's how Spygate happened. And that's, that's essentially and that, what was taking place. They were just trying to steal signals so they could get a jump on the personnel. They could get a jump on what kind of defense they were maybe running. I mean, with the coach, the stealing quarterback. Stealing signals in game, though, is not against the rules, right? I mean, that's well, a strategic play. It's, it's strategic. Everyone tries to do it. Usually backup quarterbacks are over there trying to look at their defense right. to see if they can get anything. You know, because a lot of times they'll use the coach, the quarterback, to explain it. But sometimes it's faster just to signal something. Because if you're a middle linebacker, you don't have to yell and yell and you've got a DB or a safety way over here and – they're coming back from the play. You can just signal them something. So, are you? Would you say that you are a uh, a proponent? I mean, you're a former quarterback. You would certainly. Well, I mean, look. I, I think, yeah. I think with, with you got to adjust with the times. I, I think it'll help improve the game. I think you'll get, you know, better play because offenses will have a strong understanding of what's happening in the field. I think defenses will. They, they will as well. Yeah, what they'll, kind of they'll be able to benefit. Well, same thing. You know, alignment, right? Like, well, maybe this time the running back is displaced a little bit further in shotgun from the quarterback, and that means he's probably going to free release. Yeah, they want to get him a little bit more width. So maybe instead of being between, what does that mean, free release? It means he doesn't have any sort of protection responsibilities. Okay. So he's just going to release straight out of the backfield, regardless of if his guy, who he'd normally be assigned to, would come or not. So, for example, you know, maybe he lines up in between the guard and tackle and it is normal shotgun alignment next to the quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, he's behind the ass of the tackle or maybe on his outside hip. You know, that might be a dead giveaway to that linebacker saying, all right, next time, if I blitz, I've got to realize I'm either responsible for him or the defensive end has to drop off and take the back if I'm indeed blitzing. So they have to have an adjustment for it. So the defense can benefit too. Um, I just don't think, again, because they don't come into the game with as much stuff, right, right, as the offense does. So they probably can't benefit as much for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's certainly on the forefront of technological changes. Uh, maybe the, the coach-to-player communication. Uh, that, I mean, that's something that I guess could be advanced in some regard, too. But I, I think the curious thing uh, to me will be, you know, if you're only going to have tablets on the sidelines. I mean, obviously, you know, people use – I think what Ron Rivera was talking about, too, is, is you, you have, you've got guys in the booth, right? They can see the field. They can be responsible for seeing any sort of stuff that's happening. You don't need that anymore. Yeah. That's the other thing that I think is interesting about this whole video tablet is you used to have a guy upstairs who could see the space and all that. You have that on the field now with these tablets. So who do you send up there now? Does it even matter if they're up there? 
I mean, do you send one guy? Do you need like some coordinators like to be up there because they feel like they can see the field better and all that. You can see everything right you there. You can see everything right on the tablet. And then I guess the third thing that I think I'd be a little bit concerned with is, you know, what happens if there's some sort of technological breakdown? Uh, because if you if, if you are offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, likes to be up in the booth, you know, now you don't really need to be, which is great because you can have face to face contact and, and communicate with your players a little bit easier than just getting on the phone. Right. And I think a, a big component of all this is we're people, we're not robots, right. so you can see the emotions of it. You can see if a guy's battling through an injury if he's if he's really hurt or if he's okay. Because as a coach, when you're up in the booth, you're cut off from all that, and you're kind of in this, this, this space where you can just think clearly about the things you want to do, and you don't take into account a lot of the emotional aspects of the game. Technology, you're, you're right. Wi-Fi, I mean, Wi-Fi goes all the da- town all the time. Yeah, I mean, so, so what happens if during the course of the game these go down? How do you adjust? Do they have backup uh, tablets? Like, and how are they going to handle all, all those sorts of things? Yeah. That's my, th- my third it's thought. It's coming, though. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be there. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I want to talk more about LeBron James and what he needs to do in order to regain some confidence in this series. Yeah. What? What is with you? It'd be awesome. I wasn't bad. I was just saying, like. Nothing. No dates lately. No dates. Nothing lined up. <laughs> Wait. So what? I was gone a week. Did nothing happen in the past week? No, nothing. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's talk about it then. Biasi, uh, for those watching on Facebook Live, uh, are one guy crying or laughing, crying. Well, he's, which he's one a, was uh, I'm not a big uh, technologically advanced emoji guy. He's a um, yeah, he's a, uh, a a producer at Fox Sports, NFL Network, and single. Well, me and Brady are uh, very disease-free, very married. Wait, I'm disease-free. What are you talking about? That's what, he's That's saying. what I'm saying. Very, oh, oh, very oh. disease-free. We're just trying, trying to plug you. Trying to, yeah, I'm trying to pump you up, man. Although I don't know that the demographic watching our podcast <laughs> is necessarily. Maybe the guy who sent the crying emoji is. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. Biasi? Maybe. Biasi's open-minded. But uh, but um, yes. but anyway, things are okay. Things are okay. Yeah. Seem a little down. Oh no, I'm good. Okay, we're gonna play basketball tomorrow. Oh, yeah, 11 o'clock. Oh, I might have to go to Philadelphia. I'm actually covering the Eagles minicamp. Mm. Are you going anywhere? Look how he mini-camp? just stiff-armed you. What's that? He just stiff-armed I played you hoops. I played hoops yesterday, Biasi, and uh How'd that nice. go? You sore uh, today? I've been, hey, I've been riding my bike every day about 10 miles, a little over 10 miles every day. Oh, so you I see, feel you good about here. myself. Me and Biasi last week went and played basketball. Yes, I, I played, got him to join my little group on Tuesdays. I played th- three How'd on that three. go? Did you dominate? He played well. I uh, I shot the I hit the game winner. There you go. Look at that. He did. He hit the game winner. Yeah. I was actually defending him, but Over. I kind of <laughs> but, but I gave him the shot because it was around the. Th- I mean, he hit it in my face. There's nothing I could say about that. But I gave him the shot because he was around the three point line, and he nailed it. So you, then you d- d- you're saying you didn't think he could hit it? Disrespect. Um, no, I didn't say that. You I just, gave him more room than you normally would because you didn't think he could hit it. We're, all, my we're face. all a bunch of non professionals, so I'm going to get everyone a three. Yeah, point no, no. Shot odds are likely. definitely in your Correct. favor in that case. So um, yes, I gave him the shot. He nailed it, and then he walked off like very calmly. Like I would have been celebrating in my face. He's so, probably tired. Look at him. Yeah, he I, was tired. <laughs> I, I was so sore for like three days. Sore in places like my feet, my toes were like cramping. I was so sore the next few days. Um. What do we think about this basketball series? Uh, we talked about it at the beginning briefly. I've said it before. I just feel like they're, the, the NBA might need to have a little bit of a realignment. And people are like, oh, you say come this, on. Th- th- maybe just the East needs to get better. Like, I don't, I don't agree. that. I think that's a very So that's your response? Hey, East, just get better. Oh, I, wh- are you saying that the East is somehow I think when the 76ers have tanked the season the past, what, three years? Yeah, but so that doesn't mean, that one pick. I mean realign the teams. I, I think they could make some subtle changes that would at least make the East more competitive. Okay. Because uh, okay, here's what I'm saying is what the Cavs did through the East in the 
NBA playoffs was unbelievable, but at the same time predictable. And it, it seemed like they just got a kind of a free pass where you have the Golden State Warriors and the OKC Thunder battling it out in what seemed like a pretty physical, fun series to watch. It wasn't even fun to watch. The Eastern Conference Finals weren't fun to watch until the – or excuse me, the Eastern Conference wasn't fun to watch until the Finals, and even then it was only a couple games. By the way, are you giving up already on, on – uh, let, let's – first of all, Look, I have a $100 bet with Rush that I took the field, he took the Golden State Warriors. And it's Ooh. not that I'm not a huge, like, Steph Curry fan or Golden State Warriors fan – it was the fact that it was based on odds, and I was like, all right, this is in my favor, right? Like, the Cavs are going to do it this year. I'm a Cleveland Cavalier fan, grew up that way. Or someone in the West, San Antonio or OKC, was going to beat them. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking I've got three legitimate contenders versus his one that all, it ha- all needs to happen is either Curry gets hurt or Thompson gets hurt and things work out, which, by the way, we made the bet before the playoffs, and yeah. when Curry got hurt, You're feeling pretty good. Oh, uh, well, Rush was feeling pretty down, and I said, "Well, let's see how long it takes him to come back." Let, let's hear from uh, Lou and LeBron uh, after last night's game. The guys were not discouraged, you know, more, more pissed than anything. But you know, we got to be tougher. You know, that's that's the that's the uh, main thing for us. We got to be tougher. Got to play more physical, and then live with the results. Not disappointed in our guys, um, or, or frustrated. We just got to do a better job. We got to be better at all facets of the game. We didn't win anything. No, no points of the game did we beat them in anything. Even when we had an early lead, they beat us to 50-50 balls. I had a lot of uncharacteristic, um, unforced turnovers, which resulted in those guys getting 26 points off turnovers. Um, so I always, you know, I'm one of the guys who kind of always want to shoulder the blame and, and take the blame when we don't play as well as we should. It's just who I am, and uh, I got to be better. Brady, LeBron, James uh, was 7 for 17, 19 points, 7 turnovers. And it really seemed like the Warriors were just contending, contesting him every single time he touched the ball, which I know teams try to do. The Warriors doing such a good job of it, though. Uh, This is a team, the Cavs, that that were so successful offensively, uh, especially late in the year. The past two games, they scored 89 points and then 77 points. They're shooting a combined 37% from the field in the first two games well that's abysmal it's 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 not good and you got to credit the golden state warriors their defense and steve kerr the the, the job his staff has done that that's definitely part of it the other the other part of it though is is when you break down the cleveland cavaliers is again they i think actually they've never beaten have they beaten golden state Uh, i i I saw the stat it's it's been it's a very long like seven and oh or something like that but it's yeah it's seven and oh going back like so so they understand how to beat this team and unfortunately for the Cavs, they don't at least in the recent history they don't understand how to beat golden state warriors i mean you can see other teams do it but they haven't been able to do it but but anyways the the, i almost want to bring up this point because you know living down in south florida but being a cleveland Cavs fan I was obviously disappointed when, when LeBron left the Cavs and the way it happened. But when he got to the Miami Heat, I was like, this is cool. I can follow this guy now. We're in the same class. I can right. follow him now down with the Heat because I live down here. So I can go see games and everything. And what they did with the Heat was, was pretty remarkable. Right? I mean, four straight NBA finals, one, mm-hmm. two, pretty remarkable. But when he left, it was kind of like now I kind of feel like I had been like jaded twice. Mm-hmm. Right. Like both in both circumstances, like he kind of left. And I understood why he went back. And obviously I was happy about him going back. I selfishly, I don't get to see him play as much, but I also feel like he thought he was going back to a younger, just as talented team that would have the ability to get right back in the NBA Finals again, which it has the past two years. But I don't know that he's ever any closer um, or will be closer with this group 
compared to when he was with the Miami Heat. And I think it's in part because he had someone like Pat Riley who understood how to mm-hmm. put together a team to be able to win. And he probably discounted Dwayne Wade a little bit. And the age of Dwayne Wade, his, his, his injuries and all that. like he, Yeah, and, and leadership. And, and how big of a role that plays. And I think he maybe discounted that. Maybe Dwayne Wade had more in the tank than he had thought. And maybe had he stayed down in Miami, maybe he would have won that, what, four, five, six, oh, however right. many he counted on his hands when he first got to the Heat. Let's remember they're in the finals still. You know, two no, games I, are done. And, and look, did we expect Cleveland to win um, on the road? If they, all they need is, what, one? Right. They just got to hold, hold them off at home. And they got to win one on the road. And they still are going to have that opportunity. But the hard part is it just it seems like the momentum's building for Golden State. No doubt. And, and the one thing I'm trying to be careful of, though, is, is the idea of a, a post-game hot take. Because, I mean, literally, we, did, did we not learn our lesson from the Western Conference Finals when Oklahoma City was all but, you know, had their foots on the throat of the Warriors and the Warriors came back from a 3-1 to one deficit? I, I understand. I, I agree that this feels so much more dominant. But, like... Less than two weeks ago, or two weeks ago, we were talking about the Warriors as being somehow looking passive, unenergetic, unable to keep up with the Thunder, and then all of a sudden now we're talking about the Cavs in the exact same way. Yeah, but I think history has to do with that a little bit, right? We already saw this happen last year. Now, granted, Kyrie and Kevin Love weren't a part of it. But Kevin Love might not be a part of it now. Yeah, and now he has to go through the NBA concussion protocol, which, dude, by the way, I saw a tweet last night, and I think it's, uh, I forget... Maybe he, maybe he writes for Bill Bill Simmons' new website. Um, maybe, I, I think, but anyways, it was I think it was one of the writers for that that website, and um, he had said something where when Love got hit in the back of the head, I forget he was going up to tip the ball to try to get the rebound, uh, and I and I think it was Draymond Green. He ended up getting the ball, and ended up driving, and he jumped over Kevin Love and made the basket, got fouled on the way, right? So he, he was getting um, an and one opportunity, and one of the writers tweeted out. He should have thrown the ball out of bounds, out of sportsmanship. Because Love was lying on the ground for you know five seconds during the course of when he got hit in the head and when, as this play ensued, and the officials didn't stop it. And, and that's what this guy tweeted. Yeah, yeah, I and I was like, how stupid. I mean, come on, man. It's the NBA Finals, and you want some guy to just go ahead and give away a turnover out of sportsmanship? Twitter's a funny place. I, I was this close last night to doing the uh, asking, you know, reminding people that the Germans – bomb Pearl Harbor uh you know and I just couldn't do it because I just I, I, when I do that it's people take it so literal and so I, I, I don't factual I like you it. can't use sarcasm you can't have it's, fun a lot of times because 50 percent of the people are gonna be pissed off and they're gonna try to correct you and the other 50 percent is like oh wait no I, I get what's happening he's a human being he's just trying to have some fun <laughs> yesterday I uh Yesterday, I dealt with this with uh, HIPAA laws with Aqib Tlaib. People talk, trying to tell me about HIPAA laws and how the hospital cannot release the patient's name. And Rightfully so, though. After everything that had happened um, with Jason Pierre Paul, no, no, no. it's like, I, I Look, would be scared too. Brady, I understand that, but it's one thing to say, hey, is this allowed? And have me explain that, yes, um, my journalism background has taught me that uh, the hospital is not protected by HIPAA in terms of releasing patient information, general location in the hospital, whether they're in the hospital or have been released or have died. Yeah, that's because you read. No, no, I understand. Like, so the people telling you on the phone probably aren't. So on Twitter, oh, the God. issue is when people come at you and they're like, you're an idiot. You, This is disgraceful. It's like, okay. 
But that's okay. It's well, Twitter. No, it's, because it's a wonderful tw- place. Twitter's empowered everyone to be a genius. Right. Everybody has a voice. Everyone's got their doctorate. John hey, Biasi, yeah. you got that stat for us? Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about the last two seasons when LeBron was there? No. Because they've only won one. Well, over the last two. Okay, Cleveland's only won one. Was Cleveland's it? won one. Yeah, they've won one. But was LeBron it? didn't play in one of the games. What does he that mean? Well, like, you're one, well, you can't really count that as them beating Cleveland when LeBron is out. Well, okay, I, I, I will count that because right now, Clay and Steph haven't even played that one of the first two games. Right. And they're crushing the Cavs. So if, if it's pointed out anything, it's the fact that. How many games? It's a team sport. Over the last uh, 11 games, uh, Golden State's won nine of them. And if you can only two playoffs, it's over the last. Nine versus LeBron. Years. Realignment. No, no, no. Brady this. Quinn says realignment. I think everyone would agree when, when you've got the playoffs, letting teams come in that are around 500 records, and you look at the West. It's, it's not fun to watch. I mean, look at the ratings for the well, East versus the West. You've got bigger markets, and the West will have better ratings because well, it's more competitive Western, games. Western Conference Finals might have been our, our We'll see. NBA look, like, don't count the Cavs out. Don't no, count LeBron James okay, out, so right? Anthony Biasi. No. Biasi. The Cavs so, are done, dude. They have no, their bench can't compete with Golden State's bench. But they've got LeBron, so they've got hey, a can chance. Can you Biasi for some Snapple next week? Yeah, I'll bring some snap. Okay, uh, we're going to close this out. Biasi needs some Snapple next week. <laughs> Real quick, final thoughts, though. Yeah. We get what's happening in your dating life. Everyone loves hearing about it. I've Stop. been hanging out with someone new, and uh, it's just, it's going. You have? Yeah, I have. And you're just not telling us? Uh, what does Beach Day think about this? She, she texted me the other day. Does she know about it? She wanted to sleep over. Biasi, what? You ha- you're not telling us because you're afraid of... Oh, no, no, I, I'll tell you. What do you I, I've been hanging out with some new girl. You used, used an alias. You don't have to say her name. She wanted to, uh, she, she was hanging out one night, we, uh, and she's like, let's go out and go for some drinks. And she suggested taking. Wait, she said, let's go for some drinks? She did. She wanted, your line. she wanted to go to American <laughs> Social, and Something I told her no. Match made in heaven. I told her no. I didn't want to take her there. But right. Right. Wait, that doesn't even explain fun. anything. Like, where, where do, do you, you take her? What do you, what do you guys do? We ended up going to Rhythm and Vine, the place you love. That's a good it's place. It's so hot out there. It's hot. No, Especially it was nighttime. No, we've been hanging out. It's fun. It's cool. It's, it's going. Did you do anything romantic? Or is it just all Biasi, boy band, uh, well, friend the, zone? The other night she texted me. I was a little intoxicated. And she sends me a text at 2.30 in the morning. Can I sleep over? So I said, sure. So she comes over. And Why then you ended it on that? <laughs> Why can't we talk we, about we, this? We hook we up. Can. And then I, I go to sleep. I wake up and she's gone. It was fantastic. I didn't have to like take her out to breakfast. This like, she is was a match made in heaven, Beyonce. It was yeah. perfect. <laughs> I want to get final predictions on the NBA Finals. What do you think ends up happening? Warriors in five. Cavs in seven. What? What? Way, what? I said Such it. Such a Cleveland homer. I said dude, it. All in, baby. Cavs are Cleveland. doing They don't have defense. They can't stop they those don't. guys. The they ball don't. moment of Golden Kevin State Love is fantastic. Cleveland continuing that. to cling to hope. Uh, Seven I'll, I'll, games. I'll give him six, though. By the way, that's really just so I get paid hundred bucks by Rush. I hope it goes six games just for the fun of it. And, uh, Why qu- six? You only go seven. You get more out, more out of it. Okay. Quick shout Good out seven. to our boy David Eddy. He's a little upset. He said this show is missing something. Not his analysis <laughs> of contracts. I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, I could have David Eddy sitting right next to me right here. <laughs> Where are you, Dave? Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully the Facebook Live thing worked. Uh, we have no idea, quite honestly. And Andrew, uh, Golden State would be would lose to the Bulls team. Dude, you can't compare different eras. That's Don't what start he, he's wondering. That. I said Jordan's I Bulls would win. Come on. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Until next week, this is the Grind Podcast. That's what they're saying in Italy.
YouTube, sur site. Merci à ce monde.